Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. This is our last last lesson last night in the series on the gifts of the Spirit. And so we're going to go to there again and read those verses of Scripture as you are turning there. Your Bible's probably already fallen uh, open to that spot. Uh, Sister Angie Cruz would like help this evening to get the tables put up for this coming weekend. This coming weekend of uh, Chile. Uh, supper and such, you'd like help directly after service to uh, put up those tables. Also, with that being said, that means that, yes, the annual chili supper is taking place this Saturday, starting at 4, and I think the list are still out there if you haven't had a chance to sign up, and I've seen some people where there's already a name, they've just added theirs to help in that endeavor, and that's perfectly fine, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, and so uh, be mindful of that. Also, uh, Brother Fred came to me before service and said, we're going to try to have a, a men's breakfast this Saturday morning at 8 at Hog Heaven. So he's figuring he's going to be doing chili anyway, so he's getting a good breakfast to start his day out before he's got to mess with all that chili. So, uh, you know, any, any men that want to show up there at Hog Heaven at 8 o'clock, implore you to do so. We always have a good time, food, fellowship, laughter, whatever, get on each other's nerves, whatever we do, you know. Amen. We have a good time. Amen. Come be a part of that as well this coming sunday they are uh, reserving that for pastor appreciation uh kind of just kind of highlighting the different couples again thank you to every individual that's brought meals to our house or supplied money in order for meals to be made or gift cards and whew. i'll tell you what if anybody at our house says that they're hungry they have no reason to be no reason to be and i appreciate uh, sister johnson in particular i know she's been bringing some of the food uh, for other people or even making some of it and so on and so forth. so we appreciate her and all of her efforts and endeavors this month and it's not even over yet it's not even over yet i just keep a throwaway uh, fork and knife in my pocket at all times and uh, <laughs> that's it's it's almost turned into a buffet now because if you open up our refrigerator it's like what do i want for lunch you know, and it's 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 been a blessing. It's been enjoyable, and it's been it's been a blessing. Thank you so much, Amen. First uh, Corinthians twelve. I want to start with verse number one. We're going to read through here, and we started in the vocal gifts last week with the first one of diverse kinds of tongues, and so we're going to continue with the interpretation of tongues and prophecy this week. We're going to bring this thing to a close. I didn't know we was going to have demonstration like, you know, an illustration so quick in the service concerning this, but that's the way the Lord works. Amen. Uh, verse number one, the Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give, unto, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. 
For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will again my subject matter are the vocal gifts but particularly the interpretation of tongues and prophecy tonight and so we're going to pick back up kind of where we left off because uh, sandwiched together in a very very good complimentary way is diverse kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues let's pray one more time and ask the lord to help us for the next few moments father i come to you tonight i pray god you would touch my mind God, let it be clear, Lord Jesus, God, in my mouth, Lord, to speak what you want spoken here. God, as we turn our attention back to the gifts of the Spirit, God, we're thankful already, God, for their operation in this place this evening. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, that you're able to help us, Lord, in this lesson. God, give us, Lord, wisdom and understanding and knowledge, I pray, Lord, of your word, and we'll not fail to thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. The church say amen. You may be seated this evening. So last week we talked quite extensively about diverse kinds of tongues and a little bit of the difference between that and the initial sign of tongues uh, whenever an individual receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the next vocal gift, of course, is the interpretation of tongues. And this particular gift is, is necessary if the tongues, of course, are not the initial sign of the Holy Ghost, if that's not taking place then this is necessary. Or if the diverse kinds of tongues is not for personal edification, for uh, prayer or intercession or things of that nature, then it's necessary that there is the interpretation of tongues. For that matter, when we think about the gift of the interpretation of tongues, it indicates to us, this, this is kind of uh, different perhaps than all the rest, is that the interpretation of tongues does not operate by itself without another gift. Another gift is required in order for the interpretation of tongues uh, to take place, in order for it to function. It's very similar uh, to the gift of divers kinds of tongues in that in divers kinds of tongues, when a person gives a message in tongues, the speaker is speaking in a tongue or in a language that is not known by them, not known by him or her or whoever it is. And likewise, whenever an interpreter of the tongue is, is, is interpreting, uh, we understand that the one that is doing the interpretation, the language normally is not known by he or her either. It's not as though they're acquainted. It's a bilingual. They understand the language. No, it's, it's usually it's a divine uh, it's a divine knowledge that is given in the moment and time for the particular situation. And but so in both of these cases, when we talk about a message of tongues, and I'm going to shorten diverse kinds of tongues probably to that because it's just a little easier to say, honestly, uh, a message in tongues and interpretation of tongues. We, we understand that in both of these cases that it highlights that the gift truly being or belonging to the spirit. And it's not of human intelligence because it's not that they know that language or know that tongue in either or situation, whether they are given the tongue or whether they are interpreting tongue, they don't know it in either situation. And therefore it highlights that this is the working of the spirit, not, not human intellect. This is the working of the spirit. And so we closed last week with just a little Q and a session, a little question and answer session last week. And we touched on 
real briefly how interpretations may come to the interpreter. If you'll remember, we kind of hit that just real briefly how interpretations may come to interpreters. So I wish to restate that tonight and and let's just play around here a little bit, you know, concerning that. And there are ways that that, uh, you know, that interpretations may come to the interpreter. And the reason we have knowledge of this is not necessarily black and white stuff that we have written in Scripture, but because of those who corn in the crib so to speak that have experienced it that have operated or do operate in the gift of the interpretation of tongues again just as faith is involved whenever you give a message in tongues faith is involved whenever you give a interpretation of tongues Uh, we stated last week and I think it's important to reiterate whenever that comes you may only you may only be given a word that, that might be the, the, the extent of what you got to start on, a word. And it's more than thus saith the Lord, okay? It, it, it could just be a word, you know, or it could be fear not. That might be just what entered your spirit. And so you just open your mouth. Fear not! You know, God, though, is faithful. God is faithful uh, to fill the mouth of the interpreter whenever you're obedient to what you feel like God has impressed you with. It may be a word, it may be a sentence, maybe a full-fledged sentence, it may be a phrase, it might be a bunch of disjointed stuff. You're thinking, how does all this piece together? And it's like God says, I'll tell you when to fill in the blanks, you know. Uh, it, 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 as, as I said one time, one guy was, uh, that I talked to that was used in the gifts very thoroughly, he says it's almost, for him, it was almost like a, a little, little ticker tape. The old things that kind of unwound on one end and wound on the next, kind of just ticking, you know, across. He said it was almost like that, just coming like across in his mind's eye. And he would just say what the Spirit uh, was relaying or saying. And as I said last week, then some has even had the experience, this is the apostolic people, mind you, that have interpreted messages by tongues by then vision or what they have seen in their mind. They have seen some picture or something play out in their mind and they would describe that and that has been the interpretation then to the tongue that was that was being given God was given meaning uh, from the vision and it would come forth and they would explain or describe what they saw and that was the interpretation of the tongue I believe it was if I'm correct I believe it was brother Bernard that said this uh, when we're talking about this vision aspect he said don't mistake don't mistake a delusion from a true vision he said, because both can make you see things that no one else sees. That was good. That's good. Amen. But as with any of these gifts, and we have talked about this through the six weeks that we've been doing this, we got to be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. We've got to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I remember, uh, this just goes back to years ago. I remember when I was a young man, first church, uh, Dad, first church, young man, we had that folding doors over there on, on the be on the left if you were standing on the platform and we that's where the kitchen was the prayer was the Sunday school class rooms were there. that's where everything else it was in the part of the sanctuary was right over there and I remember as a young man praying in the prayer room before service one time and as I was praying I felt like the Lord deposited a phrase deposited a phrase in my heart and my mind and just continued to repeat that same phrase in my heart and my mind throughout the service and it just got seared in my spirit didn't know what it was you know 
for people that are ministers, man, it could be anything. It would be a start of a sermon, you know what I'm saying? But just had to deposit that in my, my mind, in my heart. And it was during that service I remember very distinctly that a message in tongues came forth. And it was at that moment that I felt then tremendously impressed that the thing that was deposited in my spirit during prayer, it was that time. That was the first sentence for this interpretation. And I just began to speak that and led with that. And God provided the rest as I obeyed. So there are a variety, a myriad of ways in which interpretations may happen, take place or come. And that particular episode of that happening, that has happened more than once in my life. That before there was ever any tongues given, God had already started prepping me and depositing some things in my heart and mind uh, before that has ever happened. And, you know, uh, I've had things like that, too, happen just then with prophecy that we'll get to just a little bit later. Things that are spoken very similar to giving a message but lack any, any message in tongues. But it's just speaking what the Spirit is saying. And so when we talk about this gift of interpretation of tongues, please note how the Scripture speaks it. It is the gift of interpretation of tongues and not the gift of translation of tongues. It's important because a translation is typically a word-for-word word type of scenario. Whereas to interpret something means literally to explain the meaning of. To explain the meaning of. As a matter of fact, the Word of God gives us a very viable, a very workable example distinguishing the difference in the book of Daniel, in the book of Daniel. You'll remember the story. Now, this is a message in tongues, but it is a message in a language that was foreign to those that were there. A hand appeared, remember the story, and began to write upon the wall, mene, mene, tekel, you farsen, upon the wall. Somebody needed to come and give the interpretation to explain what that meant. Well, let's look at this, and you can go there to Daniel chapter number five, but don't put that up on the screen yet. Whenever you look at literally, Translation, mene, translated word for word means numbered. All right? The word tekel, direct translation, means weighed. When you look at the word eupharsin that was written there up on the wall, the direct translation is divided. So if we were looking at a translation of those, it would be the word for word. It would be the numbered, numbered, weighed, divided. But look what the Bible says. Daniel gave not the translation of it, but the interpretation of it. He gave the meaning of it. If you look at Daniel 5 and verse number 26, here's what it says. This is the, and it denotes, interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered, but there's the direct word in there. God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. And then Perez, which was the Euphorsen, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So you see the single word in each of those meanings, but he gives the interpretation. He is giving the meaning of it, if you will. So, so Daniel didn't give Belshazzar a translation, but an interpretation. And he explains in verses 26 through 28, he explains to Belshazzar the meaning of the words, meaning he explains to him how these words relate to his life, relate to his circumstances, relates to the setting that they are in right in that moment. So if it's a translation, numbered, numbered, right? Weighed, divided. But the interpretation is giving the explanation of the words and the relationship to the circumstances. Amen? So at this point, and I think I've stated this along our little road here, 
But at this point, I believe it's important again to state that God will use the vocabulary of the individual for the interpretation. Meaning he'll use your knowledge, your intellect, your vocabulary, however vast or not so vast that may be. He's going to use words that you are familiar with, words that you know that are going to come out of your mouth. Amen. And as a result of that, I mean, if you have somebody, what I'm saying is this, if you have somebody with a Ph.D., they might use a particular word, somebody that, you know, may, may it just, let's just face it, may have just made it through, you know, junior high. They might use a different word that is not as what I would call a million dollar type of word type thing. But the meaning is the same. You understand? The meaning is the same. And as a result of that, if, if two people were to interpret the same message in the real word world, the wording and the word choice may be different, but the meaning, overall arching meaning and explanation would be the same. It would be like the difference in me, you know, looking at my daughter, all right, and saying, you know what, uh, she's a pretty girl, all right? Or I could say, well, she's an attractive girl. Use two different words, but the overall meaning and content is the same. And so with all of that being said, let's look at something else then. Let's consider something else. Don't doubt it, all right? Don't doubt it whenever a long message in tongues has a short interpretation. Or a short message in tongues has a long interpretation. How many times has someone ever thought, man, that tongues went on forever, and that person, they said like, you know, two sentences in English. <laughs> they got it wrong. <laughs> Man, they missed it. God help them. Don't doubt it. <laughs> Don't doubt it when that type of stuff happens. Because listen, folks, let's think for a moment here in the real world. Now, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a linguist here that knows all types of different languages. But some languages take a lot more words to say the same thing that it might not take in other languages. I want to give you a for instance. Did you keep my, hey, did you keep my slide number one up there? Hello? Did you keep my slide number one up there? The top is the language of Korean language. Below is what that means in English. Now, I don't know Korean. I'm not even going to attempt to say what that says in the top line. But I guarantee you, it's going to sound a whole lot longer than praise God. You understand what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm talking about? But even the enemy, though, plays games with our minds sometimes. That was a long message. Oh, uh, God, this is what I feel like you have me wanting to say. And this just, uh, um, of course, whenever he gives you a word at a time, then that's just scary right from the go, you know. <laughs> God, they spent five minutes giving a message to dogs. The only thing I got is help. <laughs> you understand? But so the languages, Brother Mason could attest to the fact that in the real world of languages, Japanese, Hebrew, if he were to take all the different languages he is familiar with, he could probably find a phrase and go through all, all those different languages, and it would probably illustrate the same thing I've illustrated up here, that there are just some things that take more words in one language than they do in another. Amen. And so please do not doubt whenever there's long messages and short interpretations or short Short messages, but long, it could go the inverse of that. I mean, because it, it could be praise God, and then you're trying to rip that out in Korean. 
I'm just saying over in Korea, over in Korea, someone speaking an unknown tongue, it could be English that nobody knows anything about. And it could have been, praise God. And they're thinking, well, man. <laughs> they're in the same boat as we are over here in America, just different language, folks. Is everybody all right? We're having a good time. Amen. But these are, these are real these are real things that, that, that we need to take in consideration when it comes to interpretation. These are real things that we, because I say we, because I know in my life growing up, have pondered in my mind, what's the deal here? You know, this just don't seem right. You know, but it's quite, it's absolutely, number one, logical, but it's absolutely right. It is okay. It's biblically okay. Amen. Someone say amen. <clears throat> of course, you know, it goes without saying, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I, you know, I told you I could probably have a lot of, and I could have probably have a lot of stories right here, but we're not going to turn this into that type of session. i got to get through all this. But nevertheless, we got to remember that these gifts, these supernatural gifts, are operating through humanity. And so there are going to be times uh, that they're going to be prone to being uh, contaminated, if you will, or tainted by human flesh. It's, it's going to be tainted. I mean, it, most of what could have been said was right, and then they threw in something that was just kind of left field. Just a couple for instances, okay, and I'm not going deep in this, but um, there was one time there was an interpretation that came forth, and it started out like this. Now, remember, whenever a person speaks, they are speaking as an oracle of God. Okay? <laughs> so let's keep that in mind concerning this. And it started out, it's bad. It's very bad. It's so bad I can hardly barely make it myself. Now, God is not going to come on the scene and say it's so bad he can hardly make it himself. So there's your first cue. All right. So you could be right on sometimes slide off in left field, you know, in, in contaminating it with the flesh. There was a message that went forth one time and there was an interpretation. Of course, as we do, quiet, everybody's quiet and such. And there was an interpretation and they gave the interpretation. It was great. And it seemed to be around this time of year and then the contamination came and it kind of finished up with and I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> Let me tell you, God doesn't care about Christmas in the context that society does. December the 25th is probably not when he was born. If Grandpa Holland was here, he would take us to September and we could prove through that. Uh, but so on and so forth. But uh, yeah. That, that, real great until, you know, you slide your human tongue in there and, and such. So Merry Christmas. That happened. At least they didn't, yeah, at least they didn't say filthy animal. That had been just. <laughs> so that's, you know, interpretation of tongues. Man, we're having a good time. Whoever brought what they brought tonight, bring it again, honey. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but let's, let's move on here this evening. <clears throat> Let's move on to the other. Does anybody, let me just pause real quick. Anybody have any questions concerning the interpretation of tongues? Any questions concerning the interpretation of tongues? Huh? You have a question? You have something to say? Oh. Huh. You want them to bring you something too, huh? <laughs> Amen. Is everybody good then? We'll move on. It's all right. It's a valid question. <laughs> Let's move on then to the last vocal gift, the last of the gifts of the Spirit for that matter. Not just the vocal gift, but the last of the gifts of the Spirit that we are studying is the gift of prophecy. Now, we know 
Now, everybody, I believe, have been exposed to these vocal gifts of tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. We've been exposed to these. Um, and prophecy is kind of, um, the word prophecy, even in Scripture, is found, you know, Old Testament, New Testament. And uh, its flavoring uh, has different nuances throughout the word of the Lord. Uh, meaning that, for instance, you want to talk about just prophecies that have even been fulfilled. Whenever we look at the Old Testament, there were, and there are scholars, of course, that debate over this, you know, 200 to 400 Old Testament prophecies uh, that were then fulfilled just in the birth and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Things that were spoken aforetime and foretold, uh, which is one aspect of prophecy, foretold some things, and they came about then through the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have, Bishop has different times went back and has typed up, you know, uh, through listening to tapes or CDs, you know, the prophecies that's been spoken even in this church by people that have been here that has been spoken to this church. But in the Bible, prophecy, d- note, means both to speak under inspiration. The word prophecy means to speak under inspiration, number one, and to foretell events. So there's kind of a two-sided coin to prophecy. It's speaking under inspiration and to foretell events. Now, we have typically, we have typically viewed or understood prophecy by and large to be a prediction or a warning, something that has to do with future events, something that is coming, uh, so on and so forth. But as I think I alluded to last week, uh, there is certain aspects of prophecy, though, as well, that may simply be preached or taught word of God that we see in scripture was considered prophecy a good case in point would be Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37 when he is taken in a vision to the valley of dry bones and the word of the Lord speaks to him in verse number four it says again he said unto me God is speaking to Ezekiel and God says prophesy that's the word he uses prophesy unto these bones and say unto them O ye dry bones hear the word of the Lord. And so here, prophecy is equated with hearing the word of the Lord. Number one, whether that word was previously recorded like the Bible or, or some the, the, the first five books, the Torah, as Brother Mason uh, spoke of the other night, or whether that word is a fresh word, a now word from the Lord. Not only that, if you look in Revelation 19 and verse number 10, we see this idea of prophecy again uh, being uh, not just uh, foretelling something to predicting something in the future, but this idea of speaking under divine inspiration. The Bible says in Revelations 19 and verse 10, and I fell at his feet, this is John, to worship him. And he said unto me, this is an angel, see thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Look what he says, worship God. Here's the phrase, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus, meaning this, any witness of Jesus Christ, any witness of Jesus Christ, testimony of Jesus Christ, I can even boil down the gospel of Jesus Christ is prophecy. It is speaking under divine inspiration. Folks, there are times that we get into uh, the ebb and the flow of teaching and preaching that because what we're dealing up here today, this is not a recording of just a story that took place. But whenever the writer said that it is the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, whenever it speaks of it in the scripture, it's speaking that this word that we have is not a dead letter. It is a living 
letter. And so there are times in, in preaching and teaching that these things in Scripture come alive in the moment that whenever I start talking about a woman that was at a well, you are there with her. And that thing becomes alive and you're speaking under divine inspiration and that is prophetic in and of itself. And that's why we looked at last week, there were some places in Scripture like Acts 19, I believe it was, that the Bible says that they received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And then the Bible says, and prophesied, and prophesied. You know what happened? They were giving the testimony of Jesus Christ, of what occurred in their life, just like he spoke in Revelation 19, that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. They were given the testimony in the moment of after it happened, what had happened to them, and that was prophetic. It was under divine inspiration that they were doing that. And so that's the reason why you see that at different places in the scripture of a person prophesying with their testimony of Jesus Christ. But with that being said then, there is two then sides or aspects to prophecy. Number one, it is forthtelling, forthtelling, which again, that's causing some maybe past event, written word, scripture, story or event to come alive by retelling what has already happened in such a case like preaching or teaching, witnessing, amen, that that happens. But then there's that other aspect that maybe we are more familiar with that we would mostly denote prophecy as probably more times than not. And that is foretelling. So you have foretelling and foretelling. Foretelling, of course, relates then to the future or those prediction of things or warning for things that are yet to come. So when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and it speaks of the gift of prophecy, probably in the most restricted sense when it speaks of the gift of prophecy, it's talking about that which is the foretelling of future things. And we learn from 1 Corinthians 14 that the gift of prophecy is then very similar to the interpretation of tongues minus the message in tongues. Minus the message in tongues. Whenever prophecy takes place, an individual, of course, speaking under the divine unction of the Holy Ghost, they have a divinely inspired message, a divinely inspired utterance. For what purpose? For the edifying of the body of Christ. We see that restated over and over again in 1 Corinthians 14. We see prophecy in Scripture a lot. But that of even speaking of foretelling or future things, let's consider Acts 11. And we'll also consider another scripture in Acts. And they'll both be the same individual that even held the office of a prophet, which was Agabus. The Bible says in Acts 11 and verse 27, In these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be, a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So Agabus here, he's talking about that there should be something that was yet to come, that there should be a great dearth in all the world. So he's talking about, he's foretelling something, something that would happen. And then the Bible backs it up right here in the same verse and tells us that indeed it came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. As a matter of fact, you can search historical documentation concerning this 
very dearth that was in the land. And there are historical documents that are, are, are non-biblical, but historical documents that also prove that there was a dearth in the land during the time of Claudius Caesar. It came to pass. And note, though, uh, now that that knowledge was there, now that that knowledge was there, um, it did not, though, prevent, they did not try to prevent the dearth from happening. All right? Just because that was spoken, they did not try to prevent the dirt from happening. But it did allow them, according to verse number 29, it did allow them to prepare for it coming. The Bible says as a result of this, then the other disciples determined to send relief ahead of time to the brethren that dwelt in Judea. They were already making preparations for what was coming. And so the disciples prepared by sending relief to them that would be influenced by the dearth or the famine that would come in the land. Amen. And so that, that's great. Sometimes prophecy, prophecy can work in some different ways concerning its purpose for us in the moment. It may be that, making preparation for something that's going to come that you can't change. Or it might be warning to have you change something that you do have control over to keep from a, a, a consequence or an outcome to happen. And so, uh, also, if we look at Acts chapter 21 and verse number 10, this is the other place that Agabus the prophet came to us. And the Bible says in verse number 10 of chapter 21, and as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place, we besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. So the people that heard this prophecy, it was something that was being spoken that would happen. When they heard this prophecy, the people that heard it took it to mean that Paul should not go up to Jerusalem. Well, that wasn't the true purpose of the prophecy. The true purpose of the prophecy was only to make Paul aware of what would happen at Jerusalem when he went. He still went. He felt compelled to the Holy Ghost he should go. All right? And so since he felt that compelling to go, when the prophecy came, he knew it wasn't trying to keep him from going. It was just making him even more aware of what was going to happen with his journey and his feeling of going. And so he went anyway, and it came to pass. That he was bound hand and foot. That's whenever he was taken incarceration. He would soon then find himself on the ship and making his way to Rome. Amen. And so that was what was supposed to happen. Amen. But he was just giving the Apostle Paul a heads up. And so, so it is sometimes with, with, with prophecy. We, we got to discern whether it's making us aware of something just for awareness sake or if it's trying to alter a direction or a decision. All right? Whether it's trying to alter a direction or a decision now if the word of the prophecy comes clearly out and says don't do that it's not hard to figure that out <laughs> you know what i'm saying if, if it's kind of bowed and, and just says thou shalt and you should not or da 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 then i think i would just you know make a good decision that aligns with whatever the word of the prophecy is saying amen and so when prophecy comes to us because sometimes it comes to us individually sometimes it comes to us collectively as a church Whenever it comes to us, then sometimes it, it could be serving a couple of functions. It might be planting a seed to steer our minds in a direction that we're not really. Let me state it like this. There could be things prophesied to you today.
that you don't understand because you're not yet into your tomorrow. So let me say this. If you've ever walked away from a prophecy coming to you and you're like, I have the slightest idea what they're talking about. Give it some time because the future might bring it back to your memory the moment that you need it. I'm serious. Could just bring it back at the moment in time, amen, exactly when you need it. Or it may come as a, as a confirmation to something that you're already perhaps sensing in your life a direction you're thinking about going or something you're thinking about doing. So it may come as a confirmation to something that's already happened or, as I said, it could be planting a seed for the unfolding of some event that's going to take place in your life and you'll need that information at that moment though it doesn't make sense to you in the now. Because I've sometimes heard people walk away from services like that and said, I have a slice idea what he's talking about. And then so then they just disregard what the, the prophet, the man of God, said to that person altogether because they didn't know what they was talking about. Well, if it was foretelling, <laughs> that's quite possible. That's quite possible. I'm going to look at just a few things here quickly. I'll try to be a good boy here tonight. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, because it is in 14 that there's a great focus on the vocal gifts, since that was an area, is an area that people oftentimes operate in and that it's known in the church. In 1 Corinthians 14, the admonition is for the people to desire, to desire the gift of prophecy. That's even what the apostle says, to desire the gift of prophecy over divers kinds of tongues. That is divers kinds of tongues. That's just for personal edification and not body edification. Personal edification. That's not for interpretation. He said you need to desire prophecy over, over that because prophecy is understood by the people. Prophecy is understood. It's spoken in their common tongue and language. The message is understood by the people and it gives edification then to those who hear it rather than an unknown tongue with no interpretation that, again, if people don't understand the one speaking themselves, they'll understand. All right, God does, and that's great, and that's tremendous. But if you want to desire one or the other, he said prophecy over those diverse kinds of tongues that's without interpretation because it gives edification and the people understand it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. And so we see a, a colorful Benefit, if you will, a prophecy, edification, exhortation, which I kind of lean back then on that speaking under the inspiration moment, even with the exhortation and comfort. Please note, again, applying to the foretelling and the foretelling. Prophecy is on equal footing with a message in tongues only when there is an interpretation of tongues. Because when there's an interpretation of tongues, then men understand again and the church is edified as well so it stands on equal footing when there is a message in tongues and interpretation of tongues otherwise the bible says in verse number five the gift of prophecy is greater because it is the edification and so here here is the wisdom then of the spiritual gifts particularly the vocal gifts first corinthians 14 and verse number 12 the bible says even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying 
of the church, with the edifying of the church. So as with a message in tongues that we read in in 1 Corinthians 14, as with it, likewise with prophecy. The Bible says they speak two or three in turn. They speak two or three in turn and the other judge. I mean, there could be more than one prophecy that takes place in, in a service, but we're... Unless, unless there is an individual prophecy happening over here and one over there, they're not taking place at the same time if it's for the collective body. That would be chaos. I have a hard time listening to two people talk to me at the same time, let alone two prophetic words coming at the same time. He said, no, they, two or three, and that in turn, and let the other judge. Now, why would God put that in there, and the Apostle Paul put that in there, if there couldn't be chance for a flub? I'm just asking. Why would anybody have to be sitting around judging if there's not a chance for error? Huh? But he said, let the other, let the other judge. Amen. Just so that we know that we can verify that the word is true. It is biblical. It is biblically sound. And again, I know maybe this goes without saying, but I'm just going to be elementary here. If it, if it contradicts God's word, I'm sorry. If it contradicts God's word, I'm sorry. Then that aspect is of error. Um, you know, I find that that just in, you know, that's a good rule of thumb just in life. Another religion, something else somebody's trying to tell you, books you read, shows that you watch. The word is a good ruler. I've read some of those books about people having died and went to heaven. And there's things I read in them that totally contradict the word of God. That's a bunch of baloney. I don't care if they had the trip and I didn't. God's not going to contradict his own word. That's a bunch of baloney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so even, even with things, I, you know, years ago, everybody got caught up. And that's fine. You know, enjoy it all through this Left Behind series. I'll take that and throw it and weigh it against the book of Revelation in the series that we did for however many weeks. There's some stuff that was propagated in some of those things. There's a bunch of baloney. And yeah, it was fiction. That is true. But some people get caught up in the moment. Don't go get me the left behind me. Oh, God, is that what's going to happen when it's all said and done? Let's go back to the Bible. Okay? So, so likewise with all, all these things, you can, you can judge a lot by the word. Not just some man sitting up here giving my personal opinion, but by the word. You can judge many things by the word. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but if I did, let me kick a dead horse. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You have control to a certain degree over the gift that may be operating through you. I've heard it said somewhere in the darkness of a night and other places between here and Vietnam. Well, I just couldn't help it. I had to. That's baloney. Especially if it was out of order. <laughs> you didn't have to. supposed to be morning turned to laughter, but I got it backwards tonight. I'm sorry, but I couldn't help it. I just had to. The fact of the matter is we have the spirits of the prophets or the, the, the spirits of the tongue giver or the interpreter or all the others are subject to 
the individual. The reason why I know that is because First Thessalonians, I believe it is, 5.19, would say, quench not the spirit of God unless it was capable of being done, controlled. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Amen. And so that's the reason why, uh, you know, in some surface, and we have it on tape and stuff. Like Brother Mangan there at, at Alexandria, he talks about one time, and I, I think I shared with this, you know, some of us are getting a message of tongue. He said, sir, that is right, but not right now. Hold that. Well, they didn't go and give it. How in the world did they do that? They just had to. No. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Then later in the sermon, he said, sir, he said, let it go. It's right now. The guy did. It was interpreted. God was glorified. The church was edified. Amen. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. The, the, the operation and the administration of these diversity of gifts. Now, look, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 36. And I'm, I'm trying to hurry here. This is just a little, um, little bit guidelines, if you will. Paul says, this is interesting, whenever we read this, I want you to keep in mind as we read these next few verses, people that may take being used in gifts of the Spirit to a degree that they become prideful and haughty, that now they start all these gift ministries, divine healer. There is a real office of a prophet, but I don't necessarily think you're the one that needs to be calling yourself that. I believe other people can recognize that in your life without your self-proclamation of that. So think of that in, in what Paul is relaying to us here in verse 36. What? Came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. You know what he's saying? I've been trying to give guidelines and instructions for proper use. And yes, that applies to you, sir, that's used in it, you know, every third Sunday of the month. You understand what he's saying? He's, he, he, these, these are still applicable to you. He says, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. So again, he's kind of weighing in on those that used in the spiritual gifts, but they have gotten to that place of being haughty, being prideful. And, you know, you know, God's word doesn't just come to them, but it comes from them. I loved it always. I, I particularly love it when I find someone and, and, um, God rest his soul. Brother Harris was usually pretty good about this. And he would, whenever even he was ever telling me any stories, he said, brother, he said, the Lord spoke to him. He would always emphasize the fact that whatever was said through his humanity was the Lord that was speaking to an individual. He didn't say, well, I told him. No, he would say, he said, the Lord spoke to him. And I always appreciated that about him and other people that, that do likewise, uh, that although he was being used in the gifts of the Spirit, he knew and understood that he wasn't above the guidelines for the operations or the commandments, if you will, of the Spirit. And you're not. Just because you get sensitive or familiar with how God works 
doesn't mean that he's not working and you are. She said, it doesn't matter how proficient someone may get in, in the, 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 the use of the gifts. That never, I emphasize, that never gives them a license to be out of order. Like, oh, they, though they've reached some certain place that, you know, they got this all sewn up. And so they don't have to have instruction or any type of spiritual authority. You hearing me? Guys, that's another thing. It doesn't matter how proficient we get in the gifts of the Spirit. That never means that you're above the leadership of that particular church. There should always be submission to God and the man of God of whatever assembly that you may be operating in. We've had oftentimes people even come here, different ones at different times, or I've been other places that before they ever went over and spoke a prophetic word to an individual, they'd tell the pastor about what they're going to do and many times even have him go with them to the person as they spoke. Why? Because they were just honoring the spiritual authority of that assembly in church and they were, they were operating decently and in order. They might have done that a thousand times, been pointing on, hardly ever have error, so to speak. But there's just a principle, a principle of the matter. And so here's the thing, though. True spiritual people, he says, you know, if you're a prophet or if you're spiritual, true spiritual people is going to recognize that these gifts come from God for the benefit of the church and that the instructions that are in the book of Corinthians are, this is important, the instructions and the guidelines in the book of Corinthians are just as much of God as the gift itself. Does that make sense? Huh? Just as much of God as the gift itself. You stand with me. I'll, I'll hasten to a close here. So Paul basically says, whenever he comes there to second, the last verse thirty-eight: If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. You know what he's saying? He's saying if anybody's choosing to reject the instructions on the use of the gifts, he said then you are choosing ignorance. And although you may be operating the gift, you're really spiritually immature. Really spiritually immature. Wrap it up. With all that, with all that admonition, though, he kind of softens things up again because he doesn't want to discourage people from operating. He just wraps it up by saying he urges the church to both prophesy and speak in tongues, both for personal edification and for collective edification. He says, with all this guideline and all the commandments that are given and everything we've talked about, he said, I urge you, basically, operate in the gifts, but do it as it is prescribed in the word of the Lord church will be edified and at times you'll be edified and God for sure will get all the glory thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day